listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, we are going to talk about client experience today. And I thought a good way to start this was to tell one of my favorite client experience stories. It's sort of a legendary story. I don't know if it's actually really true or if it happened or not. I heard it from a consultant once. And the story goes like this. So apparently this, this agency owner goes into a client's organization to talk. They're, they're looking to hire this agency. We'll just assume it's for advertising. I have no idea what they were hired for. So comes into the comes into the company, goes upstairs, meets with the CEO of the organization, sits down in his chair, and the, and the CEO starts to ask him questions. And he says, well, before we talk about that, can we talk about the plant in your, in your front hallway? And the CEO looks at him like he's crazy, of course. He says, why would we want to talk about the plant in my front hallway? Because it's dead. And so my assumption is that if you're not capable of taking care of a plant, you must not be very capable of taking care of your customers. <laughs> <laughs> agency goes on, of course, to win the business because it kind of presents this kind of like, you know, contrarian view of everything that's going on. But I loved it. That's always stuck with me because it's, it always came back to one of my philosophies, which is like often it's the little things that send cues about what to expect in a, in a relationship or a client experience. And sometimes we don't even think about those cues and what they are. But that was always one of my favorite stories as it relates to client experience. What, what are the, the messages you're sending about what you do? So. I love that. There's a book right there in that story. In there? It really is. What a microcosm of how to not only differentiate a brand, but deliver on that differentiation in one-on-one interaction. I mean, that just, I love that. I don't, I don't know if it ever really happened. It was, it's like I said, it's a story of legend. I don't, I don't even remember where I heard the story, but I've always loved that story as an example of just things that we think about as it relates to client experience. And I think so often we overlook those, but all right. So we're going to talk about client experience. So wait, let's start at the beginning. You know, Actually, we're talking about building a differentiated client experience. That's the working title for the episode. So why, why are we talking about this? Why is this important? Why do we care? We always like to start there. So, so Jeff... Why do we care? As you said that, the thought I had in my mind was you have a client experience. Your your clients are experiencing your firm every moment, but is it truly differentiating? Professional service, brand differentiation, client experience, whatever you want to call it, in my mind has become a game of millimeters. You've said that before. Yeah. I mean, these firms are filled with very talented, smart, driven people that are are client-focused or at least consider themselves client-focused. And it seems like the best firms are willing to go beyond, you know, just, I, I mean, just that, just that extra millimeter makes a difference in a, in a, a buyer's mind who's, you know, making a complex purchase decision to solve a complex problem. It's just fascinating to me that we are down to millimeters. I don't know what comes after millimeters in terms of measurements in the metric system, but you know that's probably what's next because these firms work hard at client service. I want to say it was maybe some, some Gardner research that was looking at how in the B2B environment, so much of what you're buying has sort of 
all kind of become the same. It's like, you know, the products, the services, the solutions, whatever they are, they're sort of identical. The only point of differentiation for clients is the experience by which they buy them. It's the only way that they can separate in their minds or in their hearts, maybe, why they work with one firm or another firm or why they would choose to work with one firm or another firm because everything else sort of feels the same. Now, I don't know that that's totally true in consulting industries. I think a lot of consulting firms absolutely have sort of proprietary approaches, proprietary research, proprietary methodologies that govern their work that enable them to deliver, you know, infinitely different options to clients. But but I think the essence of the message is a good one to start with, this idea that, well, if everything is the same, how do we do differentiate just on the experience? Because if we can do that, then all the things that we already have that are different are, are that much better and that much more elevated. So why it's important, I think in our setup, you articulated it well. It's like, if you think about the episode we did with Fred Reichelt, it's the idea of customer love. You know, you, you want promoters, you want your clients to love you and think that you are the greatest firm they ever worked with. And they want, they want to go out of their way for you to be successful because they have such a positive relationship and experience with you. And why would you not want that? I mean, why wouldn't every firm want that? Why wouldn't every company want that? That's the greatest thing you could ever have is the gift of not just customer loyalty, but customer affection that they just, they're, they're so happy with their experience working with you that they go out of their way to see you be successful. Yeah. It really is the core driver of, you know, the three elements of growth, you know, retention, you know, penetration and referral or acquisition of, of new clients. I mean, that differentiated client experience, it gets clients talking. It's cliche, but it's so true. It's the, it's the flywheel. Yeah. Every firm has a flywheel, but how big that flywheel is and how fast it's spinning is the key difference. And if firms focused on nothing else, it's getting that flywheel spinning, which is the driver of growth. And I think that's why this is so important. Yeah. It's funny you said in business school, we used to talk about this notion of the leaky bucket. And the idea was you were trying to keep the water in the bucket and, and you don't want clients falling out the bottom of the bucket. And so the idea was how do you retain them? But to your point, I think it's gone beyond that. Saying, why are we only focused on retaining them? Why don't we focus on delighting them? So the bucket's growing all the time, not because we're you know, better marketers or whatever, but just, but just because our customers love us so much that they're wanted, they want to do more business with us given the opportunity and they want us to bring more people into the fold because they want their friends to have the same experience that they're having. Okay. Let's talk about the components. You actually did a really nice job of breaking this down. So I'd like you to break it down. You, I think you came up with seven components of a differentiated experience clustered <laughs> into three buckets. I'm not sure how the clusters work. I, I, I clustered them myself. I'll be curious to see if I if I mapped them the way you would. You but, really uh, did that in our setup? Yeah. You categorized yeah. those? I did. That's impressive. You know, for an Ohio State brain, you work pretty quickly. Well, that's what makes my, makes my brain work so fast. <laughs> well, I sound like a broken record, but I, I categorized my three things into you know, the brand preference drivers, right? Expertise, results, simpatico, relationship, harmony, whatever you yeah, call yeah. that. No, 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 no. Pick one. One. No slashes. That's a rule going forward. We can't have slashes in the podcast. No slashes. That's true. And I would tell my clients, you got to pick one. That's for sure. So, so here's, so here's harmony the one. <laughs> <laughs> when you look beneath those kind of three big buckets. The research that I see time and time again comes back to these kind of sub 
elements, if you will. And some of it is outcomes I'm trying to to achieve, others is feelings that I have, but they fall into those those three big buckets. But here are some of the the sub components of that. Number one, and this is just human nature, people want to feel important, right? You want to feel like a big fish in a little pond, whether you are or you aren't. We like to be recognized as human beings and, and recognized for who we are. I mean, that could be anything from, you know, don't make me wait two days for a, a callback to, you know, picking up the phone when I actually call you, right? <laughs> I mean, there are yeah. little things like that that you feel in, important. Two, trust. And this is almost trite. And so many firms think of themselves as trusted advisor, even though research after research clients say you're really not in that category. But buyers are looking for somebody that they trust. And there's a lot that that goes into that. Third one, what is a a client ultimately looking for? They want you to help them be successful. However, they're defining success, right? Delivering on some result, getting a promotion, doing whatever, but help them be successful. Four, looking for new ideas, right? You got to keep bringing me new ideas and this is why thought leadership and the research and all of that is is so important. And a new idea is one that I have not seen before. And I think that's an important distinction. Some firms think, well, this isn't a new idea to us. Well, it may be a new idea to your client because they've never seen it before. That means you got to get there early and often and share that. Five, they want you to de-risk their lives, de-risk the purchase decision, right? de-risk the choosing you as a vendor, de-risk, you know, getting me to the result I want. You know, clients want guarantees that you're going to deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Number six, this one probably encompasses a, a lot of these things, but being easy to do business with, right? You know, not thousand page MSAs and, and systems sync up from accounting and billing perspective and, you know, change orders, don't nickel and dime me and, and all of that, that type of stuff. And then the, the last one, and this is probably the one of the most important one and Reich held in our interview with him on NPS alluded to this. It's a relentless pursuit of a deeper understanding of the client of an understanding me as an individual, understanding my business and its nuances, and an understanding of the industry in which I operate. I want you to understand me. I want you to be curious about who I am and my business and the issues that I have. Not like a lab rat, but that you have a sincere interest in understanding me You know, have, as a human and as a buyer in what I'm trying to achieve in life. So to me, those are all kind of components and and levers that firms can look more closely at to deliver a differentiated experience. So if you're thinking about client experience, and those are the seven components, how do you make those a priority in your people's daily jobs and lives. How do you take that and apply it? Do you say, well, you know, we have to build strategies to make these things happen? I mean, some of those I would say, yeah, you clearly do, right? You need to have a plan in place for how you're going to surface new ideas and bring them to clients on a regular basis or a plan for how your people are going to 
get to know their clients better and get to know their business better in a systematic way so that it's not just happenstance, it's happening all the time. So my long-winded question is, how do you take those seven things and do something with them such that they're happening or you increase the likelihood that they're happening? Oh, man. My consultant mind just kind of fired off down two avenues. One, this is rudimentary business management. You know, business management 101, we really shouldn't have to talk about it to, man, there's so much there to unpack. Can we do it in this podcast? But in my experience, you know, from a business 101, one, you have to be clear about who you are and the value you provide. You have to know yourself. Two, you need to hire people that are aligned with the values of your firm and the value you want to deliver. If you're not hiring the right people, you're already down the the wrong road. Three, you have to train them and develop them to deliver that. You know, well, number one, to understand what it is you're trying to deliver, how they deliver it, and then enable them to deliver it. And then I, I guess the final one is you have to reward them for doing so. So yeah. to me, that's just kind of the basics. But if you don't know the first one, you can have all the best systems and processes that fall out of that. But if you're unclear on who you are and the value you provide, all the rest is not relevant. This is why I tell my client, and I I, I have to write something on this. Your job from a sales and marketing delivery perspective is identifying your best self as a firm as a collective group of people, when you show up at your very best, what does that look like? And then identify the clients that allow you to show up as that best self. And when you do that, I think you start to build a differentiated client experience because you know who you are, you know who your best clients are, and you just sync up and it just becomes natural for you. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I mean, you've said that many times on this podcast. At first, I always would kind of like turn my head a little sideways and go, I don't understand why you're saying that. Because I don't remember what, I think it was in the go-to-market models we were talking about Mm -hmm. this. And it seemed very odd because you think of go-to-market models as these conceptual big picture frameworks or that kind of a thing. And this feels like a very personal one-on-one thing. But over time, I've come to really like what you're saying because I think what it comes down to is like, it takes two to tango. So in client experience, right? Like, you know, there's two parts at the the table. So you have a a way that you want to deliver experience as an organization that you feel is effective and you feel is differentiated. And But in order for that experience to work, the client on the other side has to be ready, willing, and and able, and wanting to to, to consume the experience that you're you're intending to provide. And if they don't want that experience, then they're going to go somewhere else. You think, think about more transactional services like like airlines, right? Like, I mean, like, you know, there's very radically different experiences at different spots in the in the plane itself and in different airlines. And customers go to the type of experience they want, right? And I don't think it's radically different, even though it's, it's a strategic professional relational service. Well, I think it absolutely is. I'll, I'll give another example. Think of a, a fast food experience versus a... Michelin four-star restaurant experience, right? One wants to fuel their bodies with quick food, get it out as fast as you can, consistent, you know, undifferentiated, but I got to go versus, you know, I'm going to be here for three hours for this meal. 
and I'm all about the presentation and the experience of it. You're eating in both respects, but the expectations around those are very different. And I I think that's so true about how clients look at engagements and when they're mismatched and the waiter takes, you know, 10 minutes to come back when you expected them in 10 seconds, you're going to have a disconnect. Yeah. You you raise an interesting point there, which is that like there's even in professional services, there are different types of engagements that, that clients want to have for the same type of problem. They might want a very high touch, you know, collaborative in-person working experience for one initiative. And the next one, they might say, this needs to be hands off. You need to make this go away. And they might ask for that out of the same firm. And you have to be sort of prepared to, to, to deliver on either one or the same type of project. You know, they might ask for different delivery models for literally the same type of project. It's crazy that sounds. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. I, I like the seven components a lot. I think before we wrap and we, we run out of time, there's a couple of things I want to talk about as it relates to just some thoughts I had in general about this notion of a differentiated client experience. And one of the things that like I've been kind of noodling with lately is this notion that I feel like there's a, a moniker in professional services that gets thrown around all the time. And I'm actually coming increasingly to believe that not only is it possibly inaccurate, I actually think it's blatantly wrong. And the <laughs> moniker is people do business with people that they like. Actually, I think it's wrong. And I've come to realize that the logical replacement of that should be people do business with people they think like. And that's what's replacing it. And my my story here is that if you think historically about how client experience started, it started out largely analog and largely social, right? You know, you you got to know someone over lunch. Maybe you took them out to dinner. Maybe you played around a golf. You got to know each other and you felt good about that relationship. And then eventually business followed. And that's how business was done. I guess I just don't see that in the professional services happening as much as it used to. I think more often it works the other way around where the relationship starts on looking for someone that can solve an issue that my organization faces. You know, someone that has a unique perspective on the issues that my company faces, my team faces, and that I face. And you start with that common ground on that perspective, and that might lead to a social relationship eventually. So I kind of feel like the whole thing's been kind of turned upside down in the last 30 years. And that moniker should should either go away or be modified. So I'll pause and let you react because I have a hunch you're going to like disagree. (laughs) Hardly. I like the way you articulated that. I'm thinking through exactly what that means. But I go to that Seth Godin quote about syncing up with clients is people like us do things like this. People like us do things like this speaks to what you're talking about. And it it encapsulates that harmony or simpatico, right? I get you. You get me. We think alike. That is a starting point for relationship. Which incidentally leads you to that notion you have of a component of a differentiated experience is new ideas, right? Mm -hmm. 
we talk a lot about this when we're building like point of view for industries. Like if you've got an industry program, we're trying to develop a point of view for those industries. There's this delicate balance when you're when you're developing that point of view between, on the one hand, you you can't come off as you don't understand the industry because then the client's going to dismiss you. On the other hand, you can't come off as preachy and arrogant like you know more than they do because you'll never really know more than they do because they're inside the industry for the most part, right? So somewhere in the middle, you have to find this beautiful balance where you're showing you understand what's going on and you're also giving me glimpse of new insights that I had never thought of or I just hadn't thought of it that way before. And then all of a sudden I'm leaning in. I'm like, man, I really want to talk to this firm because I had never thought about it that way before. I'd never heard that, that before. And that's that beautiful space that you want to occupy. And I think it's the, 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 it's the same analogy here. It's like, that's the beautiful space you want to occupy. The space where, again, the client trusts you because you're bringing expertise that they lack and they sort of see the world the way you do, but you're giving them these glimmers of new insights that they hadn't thought of or new ways of thinking of things they hadn't thought of. And so they're leaning into this relationship and this experience that they want to have with you. And it's starting like that. I love the way you describe that. I just had to go out and interview a client's new client. And this was the, the head of technology was the buyer. My client was an MSP. And the takeaway from this interview, it was a great, great interview, is kind of a microcosm of what you just described. This was a competitive situation. My client was brought in by a referral of a referral that knew that the client was not a fit for them, but okay. knew my client enough to throw their hat in the mix. So there were 14 firms vying for this business from big global firms, national firms, regional firms, and even some, some local MSPs. And the buyer was very sophisticated because he was a technologist, but he had also been in sales and he'd been in marketing and he could really see through all of the kind of fluff that comes from, you know, out of sales mouths and out of marketing's, you know, pens. Yeah. And he scrutinized every interaction. He went into it with, this is my takeaway. He had an expectation given what he read or learned or, or heard before the interaction. And he was trying to prove that in his mind. Mm -hmm. And the reason my client won at every moment of truth like that along the process, they exceeded his expectations. He expected this because this is the way standard MSPs react, or this is my takeaway from looking at your website or whatever. There was a certain expectation. And each time my client exceeded those expectations. And ultimately, if I, if I had to put a, a headline over why they won the business was this axiom, how you sell me is how you serve me. Yeah. So they, he, to your point, you know, he started to see what the experience of working with this client was. And this client did exactly what you said. They balanced a demonstration of their expertise and, and results with the Simpatico. They didn't overwhelm them. They said, this is our opinion. This is how we think about it. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's fine. You wouldn't be a right client for us. You know, they had the confidence to say that. And it just played out through the entire fire journey, even to the point 
where a month into the engagement, he was still experiencing that exceeding of expectations around their delivery. And that's what won them the business and, and differentiated them. Yeah. So your point is spot on. And, and they just saw the world the same way. And that, yeah. w- that was the glue that held it together. Yes, they think like me or they think like me plus some that I didn't think that way, but their new way of thinking I think I'll I like think that. like that. <laughs> I like that better. That's even, yeah. yeah. I, like I think I'll think like that. I like that. So now my thinking is yeah. your thinking or your thinking. Yeah, my is thinking is, is elevated, <laughs> right? You know, well, you know, there's a couple of things that from what you said that I really want to shine a light on that I think is important to, that we cover in this episode. And one is that like, and you say this all the time, to the client, there's no separation between marketing, selling and delivery, right? It's, it's one unified, complete customer experience. And so when you're thinking about building a differentiated client, experience, you have to think about the entire life cycle of the relationship from that very first digital touch, wherever it occurs, a LinkedIn post, a visit to the website, all the way to that, how feedback is collected, right? And I was, it's funny, your, your example was an MSP because I was thinking about our MSP and how they collect feedback and how bad it is. Because what actually happens is every time there's any type of service interaction, you know, it doesn't matter who who made the interaction or what the interaction is. It could be an impersonal email. There's a there's a feedback request coming back asking to be rated on a scale of zero to eleven. How likely you to recommend or zero to ten or whatever. And it's a terrible way to collect feedback. Half the time I get these surveys, I don't even know what they're asking about. What what interaction <laughs> are they even talking about? I have no idea. You know. So again, it's to your point. It's like that's not a good experience. You know, just constantly measuring every movement as we discussed with Fred Reichout is not what you want to be doing here. Anyway, my point was everything needs to be purposeful for all the way through the whole journey. And the word I've been using lately is purposeful. This idea of like, you know, for us anyway, a client reaches out, they want to talk to us. We need to have a purpose in mind for that first meeting. That first conversation looks like this. This is what we need to cover and here's why. Now, after that first conversation, how long is it going to take for us to get from here to a proposal that you can review, to a contract that you can sign to start the work? And what has to happen at each step along the way? So it's, it's a very purposeful process that you're going through in the sales experience and then hopefully you get the same thing on the other side, right? You know, once you sign the contract, that type of purposeful interaction continues. But you can't just assume client experience is about what happens when you send a consultant on site. It's got to be everything, you know, from end to end. I even at one point in this model, I kind of mapped out all the touch points. It was like, you also had to have like post-client experience. What do you want the experience to be like after the client is no longer the client for whatever reason? And you should plan for that. End of life, if you will. That's the wrong word. But like, end of, yeah, that sounds really morbid. I don't like that at all. But anyway, when that client relationship has faded, what do you want that relationship to look like? You should consider that as well. Which makes me think of McKinsey's wonderful relationship with its alumni. McKinsey's got the most powerful alumni network in the world and they and they cultivate it so deeply. And yeah, I think it's like you almost want your client alumni to be like that, right? Where it's like there's this really healthy alumni of clients that have worked with you. Because I think it's unrealistic to assume your client's going to work with you forever, right? Eventually, you're, you're, you're going to part ways for one reason or another, and that's okay. So we, anyway. you, you touch on a really important element that we didn't get to, but a differentiated client experience begins with a differentiated employee experience, particularly mm-hmm. in professional services, right? Because the employee is the product and they're going to manifest, you know, out of their level of engagement in the experience. And that's why I think it's so important. And professional services firms get this. 
some better than than others. But because this is a people business, a referral business, I had an Anderson boss teach me this lesson is, is don't make enemies, right? And oftentimes it's, it's easy to make enemies in the moment because of some emotional reaction or something, but being, you know, constrained and thinking long term about all the interconnections of these relationships is, is so important. But if firms have unhappy employees, there is no way they're going to have happy customers. Wise, wise statement, right? Should we end with one more story? I have a story I'd love to tell about sales experience. I love your stories about sales ex- experience. Is this one? Well, I don't want to steal the punchline. So tell this is a story. I, this this one I actually know happened because it's it's a friend of mine. And at one point, I was trying to get him to come on the podcast, but he just wasn't able to. But anyway, so the story was he was he was in sales. And so the story was he had picked up this new territory in Northern Ohio and there was this account they were calling on. It was like a two hour drive from where he lived to go call on this account. And nobody had been able to get into this account for years. And they've been trying for years. Nobody could get in. And he's like determined he's going to get into this account. So he calls him up and says, you know, calls up the CEO of the company. I really want to meet with you. And I want to show you how we can service your business, blah, 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 blah. And the guy says, fine, 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 fine. I'll meet with you. But it's got to be at uh, 7.30 in the morning, you know, on a Tuesday or something. Maybe it was even earlier than that. I don't remember. He's like, yep, I'll be there. I will be there. So, you know, he gets up at four in the morning, whatever, has to leave the house at five to make this meeting. And he falls asleep on the drive, falls asleep, car rolls off the road, goes in a ditch, flips the car over on its roof, crawls out the window. When he wakes up, he crawls out the window, dusts himself off. He's okay. Walks to some place where he can find a phone. This was a long time ago. Gets a rental car, drives to the, to the meeting and makes the meeting. <laughs> And so he shows up with mud on his suit, right? And the guy says, what happened to you? And he explains the whole story. And he's like, well, you got the business, you know. Fanatical <laughs> <laughs> so, client service, right? There you have it. And of course, it's funny. I, when I have him retell the story, he's like, well, some of that may not be entirely true, Jason, but I love the way you tell it better than reality. So, <laughs> you know, do you want to be the firm that, that where, where people go the extra mile, you know? Uh, overcome a, a, a you know a life threatening situation to deliver service to the client or the one with the dying plan at the door I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent story. In the top firms have that attitude. They don't shut down in the face of adversity yep. of a client relationship and the pushback because out of those kind of negative situations come the opportunities to turn the ship around and have those stories that become legacy, brand building, values creating stories for firms. I've found over the years, a lot of time when when there's a broken client experience, that's actually the best opportunity to make a loyal and really happy customer is how you recover is actually the things that they always remember. They, they, they always remember the recovery more than they re- remember the failure. Maybe that's those are the words to end on, right? It's like, if you want to build a great client experience, get better at recovery because you're going to mess up. It's just, it, 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 this is the way it is. Yeah. But how you recover is, is critical to, to what happens next. So this was a fun one. All right, man. Let's do it again sometime. Sometime. See you, buddy. See you. 
Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.